Brad this week, sitting over on Brad's side, and I will uh, get us into Acts momentarily, but Rick, uh, usually the first segment we talk about what's going on in the world, and since you're in here today and you go to some really interesting places, you just got back from the Middle East, didn't you? We did. Yeah, took a team over there for a 10-day trip, and uh, God was glorified by reaping a harvest for himself. Uh, yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah, um, so, uh, you were over there with uh, a group and what was the purpose when you went over there? Like when you go over to the Middle East like that, like I know some groups go over there and they're told you can't share the gospel with anybody, just go over there and we're just going to love people and we're going to be loving and, you know, and, but we, we're not going to share the gospel. Is that what you guys do? And no, as you know, what's the most loving thing we can do for somebody? The most loving thing we can do is share Jesus with them. Yeah. So, I mean, I can, we can serve people all day long, but if we're not sharing the gospel, then that they're not meeting their needs because our greatest need is a personal and intimate relationship with our creator God. Yeah. It is the, it is the most loving thing we can do to somebody. In fact, we live in a culture here in America now where people are told that it's loving to just let people believe what they want to believe. And their belief is just as superior as your belief, right? Yeah, well, we don't want to break the 11th commandment, which, you know, there is no such thing. But we kind of have invented one that says, well, be nice. And we think it's not <laughs> nice if we tell somebody what they need to believe. Yeah, well, uh, you have been doing this for quite a while. I've had you... You know, we, we've done some stuff at um, the SWAT uh, about testimonies, and I'm glad you're here this week because this week we're talking about Paul's testimony before Christ, right? and today we're focusing in on his rescue, how he encountered Jesus. And you and I both share this view uh, because we've talked about it before. There are a lot of people that go to church in America and think they are in a relationship with Christ when he has no reign over their life at all. Right. And they've never really had a divine encounter. Right. They've, they've prayed a prayer, but there was no encounter. Can you be a believer without encountering the Most High God? And the issue is, you know, the gospel we preach determines the disciples we make. And unfortunately, we've had a soft gospel here. Hey, just just believe in Jesus, and that's it. So, you know, Jesus' message in Matthew four seventeen was, "Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand." And no, I didn't misspeak. That wasn't John the Baptist. That was Jesus. He yeah. says his message was, "Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand." So we need to turn from something, but it's not just turning from something. We have to turn to something, and that's a kingdom of God, which means there's a king and a Lord and a reigning monarch that we then are slaves to, which we're, you know, clear in the scripture that we are slaves to the most high God. Yeah. And it's, and that's good news. It is good. Cause news. he's, he's a benevolent dictator. He's a good and loving father. He's a good and loving King. And he wants us to trust him. The essence of faith is trust right? I mean, it's yeah. trusting in him. And so when you were over in the Middle East, what kind of response did you see over there? Uh, 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 it's amazing when you 
you, we always, people tell me, well, nobody's interested in the gospel. I can tell you right now, God is moving. He's always at work. And we find people receptive to the good news. They want, they're searching because their religions do not provide them assurance of any salvation or anything. So when you come and tell them that God shows us, and if we look and follow the specifically, you know, a couple of ways, different tools to use, I use any, in when I'm doing a, a Muslim outreach, I'll use any three and the straight path of the prophets. You can start at Adam and work all the way through and show that it's not by our works, it's by God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're familiar with those stories because it's in their book also. And so you just show them, do you understand? It's not because of how many times I'm praying a day, not how many times I'm doing a sacrifice or doing a good deed. It's only by God that we are saved. And they are, let me just say that in the time we were there, the team, we were able to share the gospel full gospel 45 times and you're going to, I mean, I'm glad you're sitting down. We've never seen it like this. 22 people received Christ. And, and that's in a place where there's a cost immediately, isn't it? Pretty much to receive Christ. It's a, it's illegal. (laughs) It's illegal. It's, it's against the law. And in a lot of those countries over there, it's the penalty of death to convert in it. Right. And so these are not superficial conversions. No. These are not people just going along. And and what I'm struck by, Rick, is I can remember times hearing certain evangelists preach the gospel message mm-hmm. and people saying, well, I don't really feel anything. And they're like, it's okay. Did you pray the prayer? Well, if you prayed the prayer, that's all you need to know. I really struggle with that. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because how can you have an encounter with the God of the universe through his son, Jesus, and not feel anything? Right. How can you embrace that you have been forgiven for your rebellion against the God of the universe and not feel anything? Yeah. How can you embrace the fact that the God of the universe let his sinless son die on your behalf and not feel anything? You can't encounter the living God and not feel anything. Would you agree? I, I do. In fact, you know Francis Schaeffer, one of the greatest theolog- theological minds and apologists of our time, uh, passed away at this point. You know, he said, hey, somebody said, if you, if you had an hour to share the gospel with somebody, how would you use that time? And he said, I'd spend the first 45 to 50 minutes talking about the depravity of man and the last 10 minutes sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Because... We just think we're not that bad. I didn't kill anybody. We hear that all the time. But when you think it's not a matter of what we consider degree of sin, but who are we sinning against? Mm -hmm. And if we truly know that God is ultimately holy, he's ultimately pure, he's ultimately loving, but he's ultimately just, and we're just sinners, it's, it's a matter of who we're sinning against. So it's like a difference of, you know, if I were to walk over right now and punch you in the face, Okay, I, I'd, you'd punch me back, you know, <laughs> and I'd be dead. But if I walk up to the president of the United States and punch him in the face. Oh, you're going to federal prison. A, exactly. So, it, it, again, I, I know it's a bad analogy, but still it's the idea. It's not who you've committed, what offense you've committed. It's who you've committed the offense against. Well, and quite frankly, he said through his word, you break one law, you break them all. Correct. Which means that there's nobody, nobody that can stand before him who has not committed at least 
one sin against him. Right. One sin of a rebellion. Well, it's interesting. You know, my mom passed away a few weeks ago. And um, right the day before she passed, she had really no movement of her mouth or, or she didn't express any movement in her mouth or face or hands or anything. We would ask her, could you hear us? And she would squeeze our hand just a little bit. But Lori was kind of holding her in her arms um, the day before she passed. Again, not very, she wasn't responsive. And Lori was playing music. And when How Great Thou Art came on, she tried to mouth the words. I mean, it, it just, she, for, for four or five days, she had sat there and not been able to do anything. Yep. But she tried to mouth the words. It so impacted one of the nurses that was there that she started weeping. Hmm. And I ended up asking her later, because Lori, I came, I wasn't there when it happened. Lori told me. And when I walked in the room, she asked me, do you think we know when we pass? And I said, I think if you're God's child, he takes you in peace. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but if you're not his child, I don't think it's a peaceful thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I said, how do you think it'll be for you? I mean, like if you were to pass and stand before him and he were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Well, I've tried to be good which you just said i haven't murdered anybody mm -hmm. and most people believe that they can be good enough they're they're hopeful that their good will outweigh their bad not realizing right. that one bad only one destroys the whole life right 60 70 80 30 40 it doesn't matter how many years one sin makes you unholy in god's eyes and you're never good enough only jesus can make us good enough and it's not just knowing about him it's responding to his call on your life to follow and allow him to indwell you mm -hmm. and you to be born into his family i mean because the the thing is for most people in churches in america we feel and feel is the key word. Mm -hmm. We feel okay if we go to church and we know the gospel. Right. But a lot of people know it and don't respond to it. Don't you see that too? A absolutely. I mean, I was raised in a church. I thought, hey, receive Christ, go to church, give your 10%, try to live a good life, and live the American dream. I thought that was the answer until I came to the realization that that's not what Jesus said, and that's not the gospel. And so I just say two examples, just, you know, we did the, and again, it's fresh because we do the pathway, the, the straight way of the prophets, just take a look. I mean, we could look at everyone, most all the prophets in there, but let's just take a look at Moses. Moses labored and it's amazing how he brought the people out of Egypt, how all the work he did, you know, 600,000 men. So just think of how many people that he was responsible for to move along all that time face to face with God, all that he did. And yet he, instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock and God said, you are not going into the promised land. Well, he he did it. He, he kind of presumed upon God, which is what a lot of people do. Right. I want you to take us back through what you're talking about after the break. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. I got Rick Brack, uh, Rick Brack, Bracky Bracky in here with me today. 
And uh, we will be back shortly after this break with more SWAT radio. Stay tuned. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. And now, Stand on the Word with Tony Perkins. The word for today comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. King Jehoshaphat, who had a heart for God, found himself facing an invading army that would have quickly overwhelmed Judah. So what did he do? He assembled the people and they cried out to God. They acknowledged they were literally nothing against such a great horde. But the king said, our eyes are on you, God. The mounting forces of evil, which threaten our families and even our freedoms, are overwhelming, causing some to capitulate, surrendering their freedoms and even their children to the darkness. Our response should not be surrendering, but shifting, shifting our eyes off our lack of power to the all-powerful source of our hope, God himself. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line with all the other not quite. We'll all and never get it right But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time Cause I'm just a nobody Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And I'm so thankful to the people in Meridian that listen on WMER and WMOX, our two stations there up in uh, Virginia on the Lighthouse and here in Jacksonville, uh, Folkestone, Georgia, Jacks, and uh, also St. Augustine on the Truth and through the SWAT radio app and the SWAT.radio.com website. Um, I love that song, Rick. It's uh, We're just a bunch of nobodies um, trying to tell everybody about the somebody that really matters. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking, and, and before we went to break, you were talking about the prophets and how the prophets were pretty much nobodies too. Mm-hmm. In fact, the one you mentioned before we went, Moses, you were, t- were you talking about Moses, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Moses didn't even want to be a prophet. Right. He said, I can't, I stutter, I can't talk. And God said, hey, who made you like that? I did. <laughs> and um, He's uh, talking to a bush. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> the bush is talking to him. I, I know. I mean, like, think about that for a second. But 
You know, you were kind of talking about this way that you guys share mm-hmm. with Muslims and specifically taking them through the prophets. And, and you were elaborating on the fact that it's not the prophets. They weren't, it's not that they were the great ones. Mm-hmm. They were just used by God. Go ahead and go down that road that you were going on. So the first thing you want to do, I, I, we believe, is you want to diagnose and hear what the person has to say so you know what you're talking about. So, we talked about that yesterday, building a bridge with their story. Correct. Yeah. And then, so just think, and I'm, I'm not going to elaborate on any of them, but just take a look at Adam and Eve, okay? Adam and Eve were perfect. They were sinless. They tended God's garden. They tended God's animals. They walked with God. They spoke with God face to face. And yet one sin and they were removed from his presence. So all the work that they did, however much that was, however long it was, all that work, one sin removed because God is a holy God. We talk about the guy picking up sticks. And it wasn't Sabbath. even bad. Oh, wait a minute. It wasn't even bad, uh, except uh, the thing that made it bad, like you alluded to earlier, is not necessarily what you do. It's who you do it to. Cor- correct. And, and they disobeyed. God said you can eat from every tree, but don't eat. But think about it. In the big scheme of things, not eating. I mean, eating a, a, a piece of fruit from a tree is going to bring death. It brought death because God said, don't do it. And because remember that the Satan wanted to be above God. Mm-hmm. And so what did he tempt Eve with? It wasn't necessarily her eating the apple. It was, he, he said, you, you will can be, be like, like God. God. And boy, don't, you know, my friend Tommy Nelson said, we make pretty good moral creatures, but we make terrible deities. Mm-hmm. We don't make good gods at all. None of us. We're all so broken and fragile that our insecurities cause us to be terrible rulers of our own life, much less trying to rule over somebody else's life. So, Right. And how many times do we look at the scripture and go, mm, I don't like that one? Uh, you know, and you hear people all the time, uh, yeah, that's not. And we basically almost create our own god for how we want to follow rather than just being obedient you know love is spelled o-b-e-y and we see that christ he was obedient to the cross mm-hmm. but aren't you just being legalistic rick oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody we were talking about i was talking about this earlier with a pastor how how people say to you know obey god to you know um, place demands on ourselves mm-hmm. is being legalistic but it's not it's the 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 commands are, are we have all these imperatives in scripture in the new testament that people disregard because they say we live under grace now but the grace gives us the power to obey those commands out of love not obligation we we obey what god's word says not because we have to but because we want to out of love yep. and the spirit, the spirit wants to honor God, the father. Right. And how do you honor God, the father, when you go against his word, you can't, you can't, that's right. not honoring to God. Right. So, I mean, here we are in Romans, which is Paul wrote well afterwards, Romans six twenty two. But now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves of God. I know we don't like that term, 
but we and we try to make it clean it up and say, well, it's bond servant, it's servant, whatever. No, it's a slave. The word is doulos in the Greek, which translates slave 160 times in the New Testament. Yeah, it said the fruit you you get leads to sanctification and in its end eternal life. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. There's and- a king. There has to be subjects. There's a ruler. It's his rules, his universe. We abide by his rules. And Jesus said the kingdom of God is where? Right here among you right now because it was him. And if you do not accept the kingdom of God as a little child, you cannot enter. Yeah. And so, you know, we we see a guy in Paul who did his best to fight against the kingdom. But, and this is hope for everybody who's listening. I don't know if you have somebody in your life that is so far removed from God that they look antagonistic toward God, they fight against him. But Paul is a man who was killing Christians. He was arresting Christians. He, yep. was, he was hurting Christians. And God took him and made him his chief ambassador and writer of most of the New Testament. Right. And so we're looking at his life this week yesterday we looked at paul's story before christ we looked at what his life was like and how paul was building bridges with his audience Uh, we're in acts 22 yesterday we covered verses one through six and i'll just give you a quick summary paul just says i'm one of you i love the law Mm -hmm. the charges against him was he was teaching against the law teaching against the temple and teaching against um the uh, jewish people And Paul says, I am a Jew. I was raised at the feet of Gamaliel, who was one of the greatest rabbis around. He goes, I was zealous for the law, so zealous I persecuted Jesus' followers, people who followed the way. I did it Mm -hmm. because I saw Jesus as a threat to God's word. And so much so that I was going to Damascus, and he's telling them, this is who I was. I was just like you. And yesterday I said, Rick, the people must have been scratching their heads because there was so much confusion. Some people have been going, why are we beating this guy? He 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 was under Gamaliel? He's mm-hmm. got a better pedigree than I do. Right. I mean, they, they had to be thinking that because there were so many people there who didn't know what was going on. Right. And, and crowd mentality. Yeah, it, Absolutely. And so what we're going to see today in verses 6 to 16 is how Jesus rescued him. How this guy who was going diametrically opposed to Jesus in his life, he didn't seek Jesus. He wasn't trying to clean up his life. He was going diametrically opposed to the mission of Jesus. And God said, you're mine. Mm -hmm. And God came into his life in the same way he wants to do to other people's life. Just like when you went to to the Middle East or Mm -hmm. when you went to south asia or east asia or you went to south america some of those places you go a lot of times those people aren't looking sometimes they are Mm -hmm. but a lot of times it's that divine encounter where god just brings you in front in the same way he intersected paul's life he uses us today to do that and so i want to read verses 6 through 16 um and actually um in, um, we're going to read starting in verse 6, and then we're going to come back and look at how Jesus rescued him for the rest of the program today. So starting in verse 6, 
Paul says, I was on my way to, uh, as I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now, those who were with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me, and uh, they didn't understand it at all. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight, I saw him, and he said, The God of our fathers, that's a very Jewish phrase, by the way, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to every one of what you have seen and heard. Now, I just want to, st- well, I'll, let me finish. And now, why do you wait, rise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name? Uh, these are the very words of God. He says in verse 15, you'll be a witness for him to every one of what you have seen and heard. Mm. Do you know if you're listening today? That's all God wants from you to be a witness to everyone of what you have seen and what you have heard. And I can't tell you, Rick, how many times I get excited when I get to do that. I was on a plane just the other day. I got to share in the Atlanta airport. I got to share on the plane. And just to be a witness of what he's, my divine encounter, that we all should be looking for those opportunities and asking God. And when we come back, we're going to kind of go verse by verse through these uh, 10 verses, and we're going to look at some key points of them and see how Jesus rescued Paul. And think about our own story. How did he rescue me? So uh, stay with us. Uh, This is going to be the news on the half hour, and we'll be right back with more SWAT Radio. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928. continues to point to a possible robust economy. Fed Chair Jerome Powell testified before the Senate earlier today. This is SRN News. Hi, I'm Todd Nettleton, and this is the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. After a devastating tsunami, Pastor Srikanth and other survivors were relocated from Pasikuda to another village in Sri Lanka, where they began to share the gospel. But 15 years later, Hindu villages began opposing Pastor Srikanth's outreach. The villagers armed themselves and leveled death threats against believers in the village, and government officials even threatened to take away Pastor Srikanth's house. But the believers refused to stop meeting. After a more aggressive and brutal attack, charges were filed against the attackers and Pastor Srikanth. 
Yet, despite the ongoing legal proceedings, the church continues to gather in a shed. Pray for the protection of these persecuted believers. I will not let my brothers and sisters suffer in silence, nor will I let them serve alone. To join me in prayer for persecuted Christians, go to vomradio.net. There's some delays because of a crash on Butler Boulevard westbound at the ramp from Hodges Boulevard. Also, there's a multi-vehicle accident on the East Beltway, 295 southbound at the ramp from Monument Road. And there's a broken-down vehicle on the West Beltway, 295 northbound between San Jose Boulevard and the Buckman Bridge. Partly cloudy tonight, low 59. Wednesday, sunny and breezy, high 70. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm A.J. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com. I push, I pull, go back and forth, finding myself. Pounding on a locked door, I try to make it out alone without your help. But I know I never win this war. I can never be, never be free without Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and today is my brother Rick, one of my SWAT brothers who travels a lot and does a lot overseas trying to share the good news. And there's only one freedom hymn, and it's about Jesus. He's the only one that's going to bring freedom. Uh, you know, there's a growing movement uh, among young people today to go away from the church and listen no question that the church in america has been deeply affected by our materialism our um our pluralism uh, our lack of uh, conviction but it is the church it is the bride of christ there are people here who love the lord and I believe, Rick, that we could use a good dose of Paul in our culture, a man who lived his conviction regardless of consequences. Very few leaders like that mm-hmm. uh, around anymore. And this story kind of helps us see why he was the way he was. Right. I mean, when you're killing Christians, when you are persecuting people that follow Jesus and all of a sudden you're going to do that thinking you are serving the one true living God. And it says in verse six, it was a great light from heaven. Well, Acts 26, when he's sharing that story again with Agrippa, by the way, Paul tells a story, his story's told three times in Acts, in Galatians, Philippians, and in first Timothy. He, he, he tells that story in all six of those places 
Sir William Ramsey said that Paul's story is the second leading apologetic in Christianity. Hmm. The only one greater is the the non-found body of Christ. The fact that they couldn't find his body, he says, is the greatest apologetic, the resurrection, obviously. And so when we look at Paul, he says he saw this great light and brighter than the sun. You know, when you were a kid, Rick, did you ever do the sun stare? <laughs> you, you ever with your friends, like, you know, you'd go up, see how long you could stare at it, and you, you're literally blind for yep. about 10 or 15 seconds? Well, one of my friends, he had a brother that loved to watch welding tools. I mean, welding, you know. Mm. And, you know, you can't watch it because mm-hmm. that's why if you look at welders, they have that very thick, dark glass. Well, his brother thought he was going to be smart and look at a reflection of it. And it still blinded him. Right. I can't imagine what it must have been like for Saul at the time on that road to see Jesus in his glory. It said brighter than the sun. That's what blinded him. Mm -hmm. It blinded him. And it says his first response was he fell to the ground. He fell to the ground. And Jesus called him by name. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting my children? Why are you persecuting me? Because if you hurt God's people, you hurt him. Mm -hmm. Whenever you do this to the least of these, you do it to me. And and so Jesus intersects his life, not when Paul or Saul is trying to find him. He's not a seeker. He's a runner. He's a persecutor. And, And yet... God comes in. This is why I struggle so much with people who say, well, I don't, you know, the I don't believe in the sovereignty of God and salvation. How do you explain the apostle Paul? How do you explain this if you don't if you don't buy into sovereignty? Saul did nothing to seek the one true living God. In fact, when he was in front of him, he goes, Who are you, Lord? He didn't even know who he is. Right. Which, you know, that shows us, Rick, you can do religious things. Mm-hmm. You can be the biggest brain in the room about all the theology, but if you're not following the one true living God, you're not going to know him when you see him. Right. And when he was in front of him, he didn't even know who he was. He did not know God. Right. But I bet if you had asked all the other people around him, they would have thought he was a godly guy because of all the stuff he was doing on behalf of the Sanhedrin. And so often people are doing that even in our culture. Oh, they go to church. They do the missions. They give their money. They read their Bible. But they don't know him. Right. And and so in verse 8, he says, who are you, Lord? And I love what Jesus said. He didn't say, I'm the Messiah, Paul. He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Lowly Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And he says, yes, Saul something did come out of Nazareth. I did. Paul opposed the one who was his hope, his life, his very being. And God's sovereignty is so great that even with that, he intersects his life and he comes into his life. And, you know, verse nine says the people around him heard they saw something, but it didn't make sense. That's what happens to non-elect around Jesus. They can hear the same thing. Right. Nothing happens. And and notice in Galatians 1, 15 and 16, if you go back, that's one of the places Paul tells his story. 
He said, God revealed his son to me. Those who God chooses Mm -hmm. to reveal his son to. And when God gets you apart from yourself, he lets you see the truth of the Bible. He lets you see the, um, the, the truth of Jesus. He lets you see how far apart you are from him. Then and only then, when the Holy Spirit reveals it, can you then see the cross and the forgiveness that he offers through the power of the Holy Spirit. The non-elect see and hear the same thing, but they do not understand. And, and the greatest example of that, Rick, is the two guys on the cross. They heard the same thing, saw the same thing. Right. One of them says, hey, by the way, he didn't pray a prayer. <laughs> he did, but it wasn't like a formulated prayer. Right. It wasn't a led prayer. Right. It was just, hey, will you remember me? I deserve this. And Jesus said, today, you're with me. It's all God's grace. And I just look at what we've done with the gospel and our culture. I think we've lost the element of authenticity there. We, we've created superficial responses by the way we share. Right. And but the way we call for response. Right. Instead of just being witnesses, sharing the good news about the kingdom. And, you know, I love what happened. We can learn from verse 10. Paul says, what shall I do? Mm-hmm. We, see, we're too quick to tell people what to do before they hit that point, right? right? Right. And he says, what shall I do? I think two biggest questions, Rick. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Jesus? And what shall I do? And I love God's response here. You know what it is? I'm not going to tell you, Paul. Mm -hmm. He could have told Paul right there on the road, hey, fall on your face, pray this prayer. He didn't do that. He didn't even tell him to be baptized there. You know what he told him to do? He goes, I'm going to let the church be my voice now. And so he sends him to Damascus where Ananias was. He says, I'm using the church for my voice. Israel's no longer my voice. And so when he gets there, What does Ananias tell him? He tells him all that has been appointed for him to do. And I think of uh, verses like Jeremiah 1.5 where he says, Before what? I was formed in the womb. Before you were formed, I knew you. Mm -hmm. And Galatians 1, he says, "I, I have revealed, I appointed you to do these things. Ephesians 1, 4, you know, before the foundation of the world, what? You were chosen, adopted. And so when you think about these things, um, God wants to use the church to be his voice, to be his messenger. The question is, are we going to be faithful? Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to run away? Now, Ananias, notice Paul says, was a devout man according to the law. Who's his audience here? It's Jewish people from Asia who say he's against the law. And so it says he's well spoken of by the Jews. Rick, just real quick, I know we got to go to break here, but imagine what Saul must have been feeling when he was on the road to Damascus. And he asked, what must I do? What must I do? Mm-hmm. He realizes he didn't know the one true living God. Right. And God says, go here. Do you think he was a little worried about what might happen to him? Mm-hmm. For three days he prayed. Right. And Ananias, this had to be comforting when he came to him. The first word out of his mouth was brother. Right. Brother. Not wrath or punishment, but forgiveness. A new family. 
And uh, we're going to come back from this break and we're going to listen to what Ananias said after he said brother. And I think it's instructive for us when we think about our own journey of faith. So uh, stay with us. We're on on our last break and we're going to come in for our last segment. If you want to call, call 844-777-7928. That's 844-777-SWAT. Be happy to take your calls or you can send an email to ask at SWATradio.com. We'll be right back after this last break. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. You are invited to participate in a broadcast ministry of First Conservative Baptist Church with Dr. Gene A. Youngblood. And let's face the issues. This program allows you, the listener, to call in and ask your questions about current issues. Dr. Youngblood deals with moral, ethical, and political issues that face our culture and the church. Tune in every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on 91.7 for expository preaching by Dr. Gene A. Youngblood. Dr. Youngblood is the pastor-founder of First Conservative Baptist Church and the founder-president of Conservative Theological University. Let's Face the Issues can be heard daily on 91.7, 91.3, and 91.9 at 11.30 a.m. and rebroadcast daily at 100.3 FM at 9 p.m. Don't miss these relevant broadcasts. Invite others to tune in also. Men, if you do not have a growing relationship with God, it becomes impossible to be the husband God wants you to be. Lonnie Berger, author of Every Man a Warrior. Ephesians 5.25 tells husbands to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. For a man, dying to self so as to live for something bigger, his wife and children, is a hard but good thing. Life is lived in the context of relationships, and this dying to self process is part of coming to maturity in Christ as a man. When we don't die to self, we tend to pass our wounds and bad relating patterns onto our children. Spending time with Jesus each day in the word and prayer gives us the grace to die to self and become the husband and father God wants us to be. To learn more, text the letters TWR to 77222. sky traced out by the city lights my world from a mile high best seat in the house tonight touch down in the cold black top hold on for the sudden stop breathing the familiar shock of confusion and hey welcome back to uh, SWAT radio we are in acts chapter 22 we're talking about how god rescued paul or he was saul at the time Hadn't changed his name yet. Um, and uh, we're just kind of been working through verse by verse. We, we were in verse 13 where he says, brother, Ananias, because God, Paul goes, what shall I do in verse 10? 
he was blinded. And by the way, I, I kind of over, I didn't, I didn't hit this, Rick, but I find it interesting. Paul was going to wield punishment, to wield a stick, mm-hmm. going in prideful, and he was led by the hand. He went to Damascus humbled and helpless instead of prideful and prosecuting. Right. And 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 God says, you're going to have to go there. And my church is going to tell you what to do. And Ananias did. He says, brother. And then he says this in verse 14. And this is really good. If you're listening out there, this applies to you. I don't think there's a preacher around who loves God's word, who would disagree with this, that the God of our fathers appointed you, if you're his child, to first of all, to know his will, to know his will. I mean, that, that for us, everybody, you know, people say, well, I just want to know what God's will is. I want to know what God's will is. Well, you got to know his word to know his will. Uh, he was, Paul was a guy who knew the word of God. He just didn't know the God who wrote the word. He was a student of the Old Testament. He was he knew the Torah. Mm-hmm. He studied under Gamaliel. You didn't get to study at the feet of Gamaliel unless you were a top-notch disciple. Right. And so he he knew God's word, but he didn't know God. So if you're out there and there's a lot of people that know God's word but they don't know Jesus, they're religious people just like Paul. And God says, hey, you've been appointed to know God's will, see the righteous one. Now, this is important because Paul was an apostle sent directly, big A apostle, mm-hmm. who had the healing power and the authority of an apostle. And to meet that qualification, you had to be a visual witness of the resurrected Christ. And he was. Because he saw him on the road to Damascus. Right. And so, um, and the third thing, I love this too. It says that you will uh, hear a voice from his mouth. God leads us by his word. That's how he leads his people. Like a shepherd leads the sheep by his word, not by sight, but by his word. And so God gives Paul a new family, a new view of God, a new view of life, a new purpose. He went from an enemy, Rick, to an apostle in three days. Right. Now, can God do that today? I think he can. Absolutely. He can do it today. The apostles took three years before he commissioned them mm-hmm. to go out. Paul went from enemy to apostle in three days. Yeah, because in Acts chapter 9, we see that he immediately left and went in the synagogue and started proclaiming Jesus Christ. He did. Now, I know he did go out in the desert, but yep. he went immediately. Right. But my point is, he was commissioned here. He was given the word, you have been appointed to see him mm-hmm. and to hear from him right, and, and to go be his witness. And so... And he never wavered from the fact that he saw Jesus. Oh, no. He no he he and so here's what's really interesting and I hope our listeners can grasp this 
because it took me a little while to kind of work through this in my head. What Paul's doing is his first defense to all these Jewish people who said he hates the law, he hates the temple, and he hates us. And he's saying, I was just like you. Mm -hmm. I love the temple. I love the law. I am not a follower of the way because I came to that on my own. He's saying, God did it. Mm -hmm. God met me on the road. Jesus came to me. This is... This was real. This was my experience. And you know, a lot of people will talk about God. Yeah, I've got a great relationship with God. I talk to God all the time. But notice in his defense, he identifies. He could say, you know, whom are you, Lord? I am God. He doesn't. I am Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. Not just Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. Correct. The one who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. Right through me verse 15 he says you will be a witness this is what ananias says you will be a witness of all you've seen and heard mm-hmm. you've been appointed well what's he going to be a witness of well ephesians 1 9 paul writes the mystery of his will according to his purpose one that he has punished sin in jesus god the god of the universe has punished sin so there's justice right but he's forgiven our sinful acts of rebellion also in Jesus. Right. So there's love. So even though there's justice, there's love. And he is gathering a people around himself to save until his return. That is the message Paul proclaimed. That's the message we are to proclaim. Right. And it's a mystery. The, the Jewish people didn't understand that. The Old Testament saints didn't understand that. Right. But God from the beginning had wanted the families of the earth to be blessed through Jesus, the offspring of Abraham, the offspring of David, the king who would be the king forever. And so he says that in verse 15. And in verse 16, finally, he says, Why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Now, I just want to say this because some people take this verse and they use it to justify baptismal regeneration. They say that, well, if you have to be saved, you got to be baptized because this says it right here. That's not the case. If you look at the phrase, the way it's written, there's a modifier on wash away your sins, and it's what? What comes right after that? Calling on his name. And if you look at the messages Paul preached, did Paul ever preach that to be saved, you had to be baptized? No. In fact, if you go look in the Corinthians, he says, I thank God that I only baptized a couple of you. Remember when there was a division? Some saying I'm baptized by this guy, some saying I'm baptized by this one. And he goes, I thank God that I only baptized a couple of you. Now, if baptism brought salvation, wouldn't Paul want to baptize everybody? Wouldn't right. he want to be baptizing? Right. Yeah, but he said, no, I proclaim the gospel message to you. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. It is the the calling, the response to the good news that Jesus Christ came to die for our sins, to pay the penalty for us, and to lead us as our king, to be our king, our, our savior and Lord. And when we respond to that, then... We are saved, calling on his name. That's what he's talking about there. Yeah, so what you're saying back in the original Greek, 
the calling on his name precedes the rise and be baptized. So if, you know, it's just awkward in the English, but it would say, call upon his name, rise and be baptized. And why are we baptized? Because it's an outward manifestation of an an inward reality. Correct. It's just showing the world. By the way, it's a command of Christ to be baptized. He wanted us. He said, Mm -hmm. you will go and baptize people because the baptism is this outward display. It's a testimony to say, hey, I'm part of the kingdom of God. I'm part of the followers of Jesus, and I want the world to know. Right. Uh, and so that's that's how Jesus rescued Paul. So here's a question I have for you as a listener, since we don't have any callers. I'm going to ask you if you're out there listening. Are you prepared to give a defense for the hope inside of you? I mean, do you even really have a hope inside of you? Are you able to articulate what your life was like before Jesus ruled in your life? Maybe he's not ruling in your life. Mm. Maybe you should do some introspection and own the fact that he's not ruling of your life and repent of that and say, just turn, say, I don't want to be like this. I want him to rule. Or maybe you've done that. Have you ever written out how he rescued you? We all should be able to tell a story. Rick, you know, when you did some disciple training for us, you told everybody we should be able to give that story mm-hmm. of how he rescued us. How how long should it take us to? Well, you can do it in 15 seconds. All right, 15 seconds. That's about how long you have. Hey, there was a time in my life when I thought I was in control, but I had no purpose. And then I encountered the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And he's given me a relationship, personal and intimate relationship with our creator God and a purpose for living. See, there you go. If you can't do that, you email me, Doug at SWATradio.com, and I'll get with Rick and we will email you some tools that can help you because everybody should be able to do that. And remember, he just called us to be a witness. We're not the judge. We're not the jury. We're not prosecuting. We're a witness for what we know. And we're not Billy Grahams either. We're to be who we are. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Rick, thanks for joining us. Hey, if you want to listen to this program and hear Rick share that 15-second elevator uh, testimony again, you can by going to www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. We'll be back tomorrow with Brad. Take care. WTRJ, Orange Park, Jacksonville. WAYL, St. Augustine. WATY, Folkestone, Georgia. Online at ilovethetruth.com. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell giving every indication more interest rate hikes on the way when he testified today before the Senate Bank.